0: Hey, hey, welcome to Renegade Fantasy Sports NRL Fantasy Podcast, the rundown with me, the Defensive Centre. You can find me on Twitter, at Defensive Centre, all one word. So in this 15-minute weekly podcast, I'll cover all of the latest NRL news and developments relevant to your NRL Fantasy team. Plus, I'll give you some of the highlights from the Renegades Fantasy Sports website, which is www.renegadesfs.com which is where you can pretty much get all the best NRL fantasy analysis on the web, you'll get break-evens, you'll get articles, you'll get the whole deal. So the next 15 minutes are really meant for all of us who can't keep up with the latest about Cartwright's ankle um, or Benny Elias' feelings about a club he never played for. Basically, it's just like getting a coaching cheat sheet just before kick-off. So you'll be much better prepared than Ivan Cleary this week. First, a little update on how I'm going. Um, I scored a pretty disappointing 714 last round um, but fortunately due to a pretty reasonable start to the season I've only dropped a little bit so I'm currently ranked 395th. This week I've been going back and forth on what to do but I think at this point I'll be sitting tight and not trading. I'm hoping I can bounce back with some decent scores from my centre and winger fullback, and, uh, and what I really want to do is not waste too many trades back there, so so nothing for me this week. So let's jump into all the fallout from round three and what we can look out for in round four. First injury and team list news. In Rabbits versus Roosters, uh, Rabbits have lost three players to suspension in uh, Burns, uh, Gurgis, and Heimel Hunt. Cody Walker will go to fullback and Alex Johnson to the wing, uh, Talakai returns, which is pretty annoying because I just sold him last week uh, Turgis ends up starting at prop Crichton starts in the back row and John Sutton now comes into 5.8 um, I just saw a rumour from, from uh, The Mole on Twitter saying that Cook and Farrow might start so I'm not entirely sure what that means for the final lineup when they take the field um, For the Roosters, Friend is out with a facial injury so Watson comes into hooker And um, everyone's favorite fantasy, Dick Fingers, Carter joins the interchange. For Panthers and Knights, Cartwright's been named to return into the 17 for Fisher-Harris, but there's a pretty strong rumor that he won't actually be playing this weekend. Uh, The Knights remain unchanged. Broncos and Raiders, for the Broncos, uh, Tavada Pangai Jr. is back into the 17, and Benji Marshall drops out, and the Raiders are unchanged. Sea eagles and dogs for Manly to power and Fenil Blake are back, and the dogs are unchanged. For the eels and sharks, Norman is back for the eels, which is good news for those who are running a bit thin in the halves. The big news for the sharks is the the long um, sort of rumored signing of James Segiaro. So this is pretty important for those of us who have Braley like myself. Um, Segiaro is currently named on the extended interchange. Uh, but the rumour is that he won't actually play for the Sharks this weekend. But ultimately, the signing does mean that Braley has a has a sort of short, short-ish shelf life, so you should probably start preparing some money to deal with that down the track um, and upgrading to a legitimate gun. Or maybe even switching to Seguiero, who is priced, only priced at $253,000 um, and could be a bit of a bargain on that price. Titans versus Cowboys, Copley um, has signed for the Titans last week and is now named to debut. Uh, Zilman drops out through an injury and Vito comes in. Uh, The Cows have, well, they've lost a heap of outside backs. They've got all sorts of problems. Um, Gila Mosby comes in for the injured O'Neill, and it's not entirely clear how long he's injured for. Um, Coot should be back next week and so it's not really clear what happens with Ponga and Gila Mosby next week um, when Coot comes back. So, I would be treating that entire team with a lot of caution right now. Cohen Hess keeps his spot in the starting team for now, but uh, Tamalolo is back next week, so we'll see how that pans out then. Tigers versus Storm. Um, It's a pretty tough matchup for the Tigers after they've just sacked their coach. Elijah Taylor returns, which is fantastic for them, and for me. Uh, Idris comes onto an extended bench. For the Storm, Munster is now injured, so Slater steps into the starting fullback role. And Riley Jacks keeps making us some cash for a few more weeks. The Dragons versus Warriors. The Dragons are unchanged. The Warriors lose uh, Manu Vadavai, which will upset Rich McKernan deeply, I'm sure. But they have named two of us a shek, which is great. Um, There is some mail that he still has to pass a concussion test to play, uh, which is pretty annoying considering he plays right at the very end of the round. Presumably a concussion test will be uh, carried out and he will be cleared midway through the round, so just keep an eye out for that news just in case you have to make a few adjustments through the round. The really big issue that everyone um, is talking about this week is that there are a heap of discounted keepers floating around. So this has been covered in an article on the website. Um, Everyone's centers and wing of fullbacks are basically a massive dumpster fire at the moment. Everyone's getting terrible scores um, and as a result most people's uh, round scores for round, two are pretty, for round three are pretty terrible. Um, but the really good news is that some of the big keepers and guns from 2016 have seen massive drops in price. So I'll just walk through some of those now. Elliot Whitehead is the big one everyone's talking about getting in this week. Uh, he has currently dropped $117,000. He has a break-even of 64, so he is likely to drop price uh, at least one more round. He um, unfortunately didn't get double positional um, player status uh, while he was playing in the centres, even though he was named to start in the centres in the very first round, which is pretty annoying from uh, from NRL Fantasy there. He shifted back to second row forward. He should start scoring sort of in the high 40s to early 50s. Um, he might get as low as $350,000, so get on him pretty soon. Bodine Thompson has dropped $94,000 playing off the bench in the first two rounds and spent a bit of time at center. He has a break even of 68, so he'll probably drop a bit more too. Jesse Bromwich injured himself in round one um, very early on, which has dragged his price down significantly. He has a break even of 71. He's already dropped $68,000. Joey Leilua, who could solve a lot of people's center problems, has dropped $65,000. He's got a 50 uh, in round one and a 16 and 19. His break even is 73. Um, And he may benefit from Whitehead coming back into the second row on that edge. So he would be someone to look at picking up in the next couple of weeks for $350,000 or something. Bryce Cartwright, even though he's currently in some doubt to play this weekend, uh, he's dropped $50,000, basically injured and can't tackle. So he has a massive break even of 81. Personally, I think I'd steer clear of him just because I'm not entirely convinced he'll be back to his form of last year. But he's still value. All of these guys have a lot of more money to lose, so maybe this week isn't the week you want to pull the trigger. But uh, if you've got some Curtis Sirenans stinking up the joint, now might be the time to get some money together to transfer him into a uh, into a Jesse Bromwich or a Cartwright or a Elliot Whitehead. Flukal for reals this week. Um, the boys have taken a week off, and uh, as far as I've seen, haven't released any um, as of yet, which is Wednesday night. Um, basically. Everyone was really disappointing over uh, last round, so there hasn't been any of those sort of unusually high scorers that have triggered the sort of conversations that Flucor for Real has really set up to, to, to discuss. Other articles on the website. So obviously we have the break-evens uh, up every week, so they're there. Uh, walking through some of the highlights of that, the biggest break-evens um, of the round are Cartwright, Le Lua, Friend and Fafida, Jesse Bromwich as well with uh, break-evens from 81 through to 71 for those players. The smallest, so these are the players who are likely to start making you a lot of money. Dylan Edwards, who isn't really fantasy relevant just at the moment, uh, but Brayley has minus six. Luke Yates with the Knights as minus four. Kurt Capewell, who's got some sketchy sort of role um, uncertainty at the moment with minus two. Riley Jacks, fantastic. Keeps his spot for a while on minus one. Callum Ponga, on one, So he should keep making you money, assuming he stays in the squad. Um, and then a few other of the of the cash cow uh, um, winger fullback centers like Montoya and Talakai. Cohen Hess uh, is on six, so he'll keep making you money at least this week and probably for a couple of weeks as well even when he goes back to the bench. If he goes back to the bench, that is. Really great article by the Renegade Analytics Department on panic or don't panic. They cover Gallon, Braley, Abbey, LG, Mogger, uh, Mitch Moses, Surinan and Farah, all players that some of us would have and be terrified of. Uh, for me in particular, I've um, been contemplating switching out Mogger for someone like Slater, um, but deciding just to sit on my hands for the moment. Scarfy Scraps and the game summaries are there from round three, giving you all the highlights from, uh, from the previous round. There's a pod team article up. Um, So this is a team made up of sort of uh, unusual players who've got a bit of talk in the preseason with quite low ownership. They scored 683, um, which is actually pretty reasonable considering some of the gun teams only just managed to get into sort of 700 mark. Um, And they've improved their rank to 16,000. So that's pretty good for that team. Although I suspect as uh, the regular players get back to their form, that team will start to slide again. The Renegade Fantasy Sports Bosses article, um, a lot of the usual insights there. The really interesting thing to see is that the bosses are pr- being pretty trade cautious this year, so they're not burning through trades earlier like they tend to, so that is a bit of a change from previous years. Pimp My Team is there as usual, and the Renegade's question and answer should be up tomorrow morning, so keep an eye out for that. To finish up, um, I thought I'd just quickly touch on something that I bring up pretty regularly on the website, uh, on the uh, fantasy Facebook group which is about setting your lineup. So something you'll notice um, me constantly correcting people about is talking about their reserves and who they should pick as their reserves. I think the problem is for most people the default way you pick your, your team is to pick your best 13 players in the positions available and then basically go through the rest of the players and pick your next best four players and make them your reserves. Then you pick a captain and a vice-captain and that's it, you're done, and you wait for the footy to start on Thursday night. Well, here's the thing, it doesn't actually stop there. You've got a bit more work to do. The big tip is it doesn't matter if someone like Jack de Bellen is in your starting 13 or in the reserved four players. He still scores you the same number of points. Unless, of course, he's your vice-captain or captain, in which case he has to be in your 13. So what you need to really think about is the flexibility of your team going through the round, and you should be preparing for a disastrous mid-round withdrawal. So for example, with Jack DeBell on this weekend, he plays really late in the week. He plays on the Sunday night. If you're running reserves at Second Road Forward, it really pays to put him into your reserves because St. George plays so late. So for me, I'm running Yates as well as two other uh, nights for uh, second rowers, Um, I don't know how that's ended up happening, but I've also got Bura and uh, Barnett. They're all in my starting team, and I'm putting Yates in there as well, and I'm putting Jack DeBellin onto the bench. So this means that if I find out that DeBellin is injured, for example, midway through Sunday, I can switch the reserve off him onto a player like LG, who plays later um, on the Saturday afternoon. Whereas if I had Jack DeBellin in my 13 he'd be locked onto the field because all the rest of my bench and non-playing reserve second row forwards will have already played. So this is, might seem pretty trivial, um, but in my experience, it might save you once during the year, and that could be 30 to 40 points. When it all comes out in the wash at the end of the year, that could be a huge ranking difference come around twenty six. Um, it could also win you a really important head-to-head matchup, could get you into the finals, could win you a, win you a final. So um, that's something to keep an eye out on and uh, do that little bit of extra work on Thursday afternoon just to make sure your team's just right. So that's it for me today. Sit tight, set your lineup, and Captain Smith. See you guys around.